Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. You said that with a lot of exclamation. I'm not sure. Why are you exclaiming? Oh my gosh, because you just had like the best day of your life. So I just sweat through my t-shirt. It's um, true. It's true. We just happens. finished We finished recording another episode and Peter got so excited about it that... I was, yes, excited. Not nervous. Excited. Definitely. So We, had, we do talk about this for free race all the time. We'll tease so. the episode. We had the Sturettes on, uh, Kelly and Juliet, and, and they're the from the Ready State. They have a new book, Built to Move, which we'll put the link in this episode as well because we think it's, it's just a great book. Uh, yes, and very relevant to one of our questions today. Um, but yes, just so, so excited to get to talk to two people who are... So I've changed my shirt, if you're wondering. Yeah, we're <laughs> you good. changed his shirt. We're good. Still nervous to fine. talk to everyone, but we're okay now. We're, it's just the two of us and all of you, so we're here. Also, shout out to DW for actually like keeping his stuff together for that entire episode. That's right. We closed the windows because they were trying to do the grass, um, so that's partially why it got hot in here. But that's a lot of details about me sweating through my shirt, so here we are. Here we are. Uh, yeah, things things are good. We're going to talk a little bit about my, my last race this weekend uh, during this uh, question and answer, because frankly, one of the questions I admit is one that I've submitted myself uh, based on a conversation with my coach. Okay. So, so do you want to dive right into question one? I think or? we should dive right into question one. And so this one is uh, someone who has an event coming up pretty soon, and uh, he was uh, was signed up for the longer version of the event um, and is contemplating dropping down to the shorter version uh long story short doesn't feel entirely prepared for the long version is a little nervous about being able to finish it uh versus sort of knowing that he can get through the shorter version and have no problems uh maybe even approach it as more of like a fun thing rather than even a competitive thing uh and just kind of asking to sort of talk through that so i think this is actually a super interesting one because Obviously, the answer here begins with, it depends on who you are and what your goals are. Sure. Yeah, that answers most things. Done. Okay, moving yeah. on. <laughs> Just kidding. I uh, mean, it sort of relates to, it reminds me of that upgrade-downgrade question. Ooh, the perennial favorite. Uh, actually, probably one a lot of people are thinking about right now with uh, hashtag cross is coming. You know, maybe you're looking at renewing your license. Uh, maybe you're debating the upgrade or downgrade. So I think the principles are going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And it depends a little bit on the discipline and, and who you are and, and what, you, what you're trying to do. I, I do like, so there's a bunch of our, you know, phrases. So there's the race if you're going to race. And so what I tend to do is if you signed up for this race, you must have thought it was a good idea at some point. And, and maybe you've gotten more information since you signed up. You signed up in January. It was one of those races, you know, these bucket list races that you have to sign up even a year in advance. You thought that your future self was going to be in better shape. Maybe something legitimately has happened. You know, you got fired. You got a new job. You had a baby. A lot can happen for, since January, right? We're almost to that fall season. Uh, you could have legitimately had a whole baby by now. Uh, if, if that's the situation. So if, if it's something obvious, that something obviously has changed since your original decision, then, then we might have a decision to make. If this is a, a nerves, then I, I think back to that uh, Rebecca Rush was on. She has that one quote. I don't think she actually said it in our episode, but we mentioned it in the episode. And it, it's something to the effect of, you know, we're never as ready as we want to be for these big, big events. She was talking about um, Unbound. 
I think, or maybe even the unbound XL, the super long, you know, if, if 200 miles wasn't long enough, this one's even longer. And, and so she was saying a lot of this, she does a lot of these. She's the queen of pain. She does these things that are, and so even she feels like, oh, I could have trained more. I'm not my tires. You know, I don't know if these tires are the best tires, you know, my pack might rub because it's a new pack or something. We all have these thoughts, whether we're the queen of pain or we're just first time gravel 50 K race. Yeah. And I think one of the, so that's kind of a great starting point. And I think the other thought is, you know, how are you going to feel after the race? Uh, kind of play game playing those two scenarios, one where you do the long one and maybe it doesn't go great. Maybe it does go great. Um, how are you going to feel after that versus how are you going to feel after the shorter one? No, like knowing that you're probably going to finish that one, no problem. How are you going to feel at the end of that one when you're watching the people come in from the longer one? Are you going to feel that FOMO? I will say this actually still haunts me to this day. There was just like a triathlon 10 years ago that I was signed up for. And I was, you've seen me pre-race. I'm a wreck. I do not handle pre-race very well at all. Triathlons are even worse because they start earlier and they start with a swim. So as you can imagine... Molly usually asks me to remind her not to sign up for any more races and then she forgets that I'm not good at reminding her so she ends up continuing up to be more races. And here we go. Uh, so anyway, this you know race morning, it's raining out. It's a local race. Uh, so, you know, I didn't, I hadn't paid to like go stay somewhere. I wasn't like at a hotel or anything like that. Like my bag was packed, but I was at home. So I wake up and it's pouring rain and I was so stressed and so nervous about this race. I saw the rain and I was like, oh, it's raining. I'm not going to do it. Like, just forget about it. It's not worth it. Don't want to. And I didn't do it. Should have also pointed out the race literally rode past my house. So all day I'm sitting inside nice and warm and cozy and watching people ride past my house in this race. And sure, they looked miserable. It was still raining. I felt terrible about myself. Like, again, this is a decade ago, and I'm still like, even as I say it now, I'm like angry at myself for not just going to that start line. And like, hey, if I'd pulled out after the swim, fine. But like, there was no good reason for me to not show up to the start line. Sure. Yeah. And so that's sort of, I, I like that framework of when you're trying to make a decision, it's a difficult decision. You want to think not just, you know, the immediate thing you're mad about or you're trying to decide about, but, and then what? So you're going to quit this position that you're in and, and then what, what's, what's the fallout going to be? So in your case, you know, you might think, well, now I have a whole day to kill and I'm going to sit there and the race course maybe goes by. So I'm going to have FOMO. Am I okay with having FOMO? Uh, in the case of this question, it might be, I'm going to go down to that lower distance race and there might be things that are good. You know, you'll be more confident. Maybe it's done earlier in the day. Maybe you're very confident there and you may be someone who's very new to racing. Maybe there, you shouldn't have signed up in, in hindsight, you know, now knowing what you do as you've trained, you've realized that you're just, you're, you're not, your fitness isn't quite there. You're very new. And, and even maybe the 50 K is going to be a good challenge or you saw who was racing in the 100 K and it's going to, you're just going to, you know, be last place. Sometimes there are those decisions. And so we sort of have those two poles, right? Where maybe it's, obvious that you you know have had a baby and and it'll be great if you do 50k so if you're on that one side of the equation that's one case then there's the other people the rest of not the rest of us but a lot of us i think are in that queen of pain rule we'll call it of you're never as prepared as you want to be for a big thing so i think that's a lot of us so that's probably 80 percent of the people if we use that 80 20 there's probably a few people in the middle where it is a, a trickier decision to make and so i what can we do to help these people i guess is what i'm wondering 
Ooh. Well, I think probably one thing to remember, and this is probably something that you need to remind me of on any race day, is like the race doesn't like the stakes are so low. Okay, I like it. Like if you do the long one and you like just can't make it, you stop at an so aid station. This could station. be like our Jeff Goldblum rule: the stakes are medium, are medium. <laughs> like <laughs> literally hundreds of dollars on probably the line. not even probably <laughs> they're hundreds of your dollars that you've already spent so you're not getting movie? these dollars it's back. not really a great movie but what is that movie oh it's the it's, it's like, like a spoof on the tour, tour de, de pharmacy or something oh there we go and it's really not that good except for the part watch the trailer Goldberg. actually don't bother watching True. the movie watch like the minute long trailer it's hilarious so they're talking about cycling and like you know literally hundreds of dollars on the line so in this case for the rest of us you know there, there is really very often nothing on the line no one knows how you did like you might be you know feel like there's a bit of ego there i always say ego and i think people get really upset when i say ego i don't mean ego like we all have ego like he means ego in like the freudian like academic sense of the yeah, word or Eckhart Tolle, like the power of now uh, is big on ego right and so it's just we all have are self-conscious but you have to remember that most people are also very self-conscious and don't see anything you know very little about other people because we're all so self uh you know concerned and so no one cares about your race position if you were if you've won a bunch of races and then now you're 10th no one no one cares they're just happy you're there like and if they're not then they're not your friend but those people are very few so so that's the stakes are medium i really i really like that that maybe you're setting this up that you have to do something you have to get that nine hour belt buckle or else it's not worth going to leadville a lot of people second time leadville people They'll DNF because they, for some reason, decided that when they got 1130, now they deserve to get, they have to get, or they deserve a nine hour belt buckle. And those are very, like a nine hour belt buckle is a very different ordeal. Uh, and most of us are very much like, you know, those tens and 11s are, are very good days, let alone finishing. So I think a lot of times with these big things is just let it be what it is, right? Like do the best you can learn. Uh, we talk about, uh, so, so there's this like, you know, the stakes are medium and then maybe another one would be, um, where was I going? Complete, uh, bef complete before you compete. So have you, if you've never done the thing, sometimes it's even more overwhelming. And then maybe you've added some stakes to it, as Molly said. So maybe then we have to think, is this just a complete goal? Can I complete it? And that's where maybe your training can help build some confidence. For sure. And I think like backing it out even more too, I mean, I hate to ever put a DNF in the mix, but like, what is your worst case scenario? Like, I mean, okay, other than like the obvious like things that can happen in a bike race, but that could happen in the short version too. Um, but if you're, you know, you're just, you're so exhausted after 70K of the 100K race or whatever, and you just cannot go on. So you stop at an aid station and you have to either call a friend, call an Uber, get a ride from a volunteer. Like you're going to get back to the start line. Like this is not the mm -hmm. end of the universe. Mm -hmm. Like this is just not that big of a deal. So I think doing a bit of that like fear setting as, as it's been called, like the what's the worst case scenario here. Mm -hmm. um, and you realize that the worst case is really not that bad. Exactly. Yeah. And so I do think like part of this question was like the having more fun in the short version of it. I think that's, <clears throat> I get where it's coming from, but I also kind of see that as like a bit of like a, a fear-based argument, like where you're actually, you're scared of like putting it in, like going and like giving it your all. So you've kind of already, um, you're going to try to like self-handicap it a little bit by saying like, oh, I'm just out there to like have fun. Mm -hmm. it, like this is a weird, this is maybe like a snide or snotty thing for me to say, but like if you just want to have fun on a bike ride, 
don't bother paying like 500 bucks for the race. Just go out the next day and have fun with your friends on the bike. That's, you know, the race, if you're going to race and we do have, there is gray area there. We do have a lot of people who, who are in the race and they're doing it more as a tour or, or again, to complete and complete is going to take effort. It's not that they're not trying. It's just, they're not as concerned about the, the, and I think that's a strategy we use sometimes is we're just going to finish this big ride. We're not going to overexert ourselves. Uh, and I, I think that's great too, but I still think that we forget sometimes that type two fun, the fun that's afterwards is, is, is from the hard thing. And so if you're someone who signed up for this hundred mile or whatever, the bigger, longer one is you, you, some part of you thought that the fun one, you know, the one you were drawn to, uh, was that one. And sometimes the fun is actually in the, you know, the release after the event, you know, you finished, finally got to stop pedaling after six hours on the bike and you can sit down and have a beer and talk about it. Yeah. And it's definitely not to say you can't have fun during the race. Like to be clear, I did a marathon this past weekend with a friend. We talked a very good portion of the time because for me, that's actually a good metric of like how hard I'm this was going. This a trail like marathon. A f- so you're out for say four <clears throat> yeah, or five hours. Yeah, we're out hours. for like five hours. Yeah. So like that's actually for me a really good limiter on like not, you know, burning too many matches. But like we were also still like trying to reel people in and like do that. So Mm -hmm. and that was like a very like D level race. Didn't like very. Yeah, not really exactly the same question. So let's assume these these 20 percent of people or we'll call them the 19.5. We have about 0.5 that had a baby in the last nine months and the situation has changed. Congratulations. Since and I'm using that as an extreme example, but something obvious has changed in your, your your preparedness, your life. Um, I, I don't even think that like you've not been training a lot even really counts if you're at a point where you still think you're going to the event. You know, sometimes these things are very obvious, like you just can't go to the event. Your leg is broken, right? So these 0.5 are a very few of us. We have 80% that I think you signed up for it. You got to go. Your training, if you look at it objectively, you might need to book a phone consult for someone to tell you that your training is enough. And that's okay. Sometimes it's worth that that objective opinion to say, yeah, this is pretty good training ahead of a, a big event, a hundred mile or whatever. This is appropriate. Uh, I'm sure you're doing great. Uh, and then that 20% you maybe is where you're, you're or the 19.5 we're calling it where you just need to look at it a little closer and, and we may, you know, there may not be enough training there to do it. And indeed it might be enough of a challenge to do that, that 50 K or the, the, whatever it's called, the short course might be enough of a challenge, right? If you, if you're in this boat of people who haven't trained in the last nine months and you still want to go to the event, that would make sense to step down. A lot of us then, I think the two pieces here. So you look at your training. If you've done some rides that are approaching the distance, we don't usually ride the full distance. Uh, but in the case of like a hundred miler, maybe you've ridden that on pavement versus gravel, or you've been out on a five or six hour ride, or some people do more on the climbing, your climbing meters have, or feet, whatever you prefer, have gotten close. So are you replicating sort of similar rides? Again, not that you did the 100 mile with the 3,000 meters of climbing, but you maybe have done a 100 mile and you maybe done a couple 2,000 meter rides you've ridden for a while. So now you've tested your gear, your bike, your fueling. Um, and so that I think is where you take the confidence from. You've done something pretty close. And now when we put you on the race, you've recovered down, you're not fatigued. We say this is a race, not a training ride. So you want to put it all 100% effort instead of whatever effort you are putting into your workout. It's not as much as the race day. We all have that race gear. You're going to fuel it like a race. You're going to you know, eat beforehand appropriately, eat during the race. Well, we're going to talk about fueling a little bit. And then you're going to benefit from things like you know, really well-groomed and marked courses. You're not having to stop at traffic lights often, right? Or, or like there's a, a person there waving you through so you don't have to stop at stop signs. So you're not slowing down. Your average speed is faster. You hopefully are, are doing a bit of drafting, 
you know, even at slow speeds, a little bit of drafting. Uh, so you're getting bumped through. So there's a lot of these things that on race day, you move a lot faster and further than you often do. And then the last piece that I often try and remind people of is, especially coming from, you know, the East Coast, say, or, or a less hilly area. We're in a pretty hilly area, but not a mountainous area. So for us to do a, a thousand to a 2000 meter ride, 3000 to 6000 feet, it takes a while and you got to pedal because you got to get between the hills. So it is actually a very challenging thing. But if you go to some place, you know, maybe Leadville is a bad example, but some of these hillier places um, where there's a thousand meters, 3000 feet of, of mountain in front of you, like that's a solid hour. But to do in an hour to do a thousand meters here, like it would be a pretty monotonous and very fast set of hill repetitions. Uh, probably not possible for a lot of people, but a lot of other people, you know, in an hour and a half, probably not in an hour, they wouldn't do necessarily a thousand uh, in an hour, but not far off because the, the hill is there. They're not wasting time going down, if that makes sense. So sometimes there's those wins that we don't think about that our training just can't possibly replicate. Um, and not the least being that like you're putting that one day of effort in. You don't want your, like the pulling the baby off the car. You're, I always say pulling the baby off the car. You're, you're, not doing that every day of the year. Pulling the car off Yeah, the I know. Baby. That's I okay. reverse it. So then people roll their eyes. Uh, you're listening or not, right? Uh, and so that's the idea is that that one day of the... You'll get superhuman strength. You're going to... Because you don't have to do it again, right? It's that last lap effort. You don't have to do the ride again if you don't want to, but you do have to do it the once. Do uh, you have any thoughts in that direction? So looking at your past training. No, I mean, I think that that pretty well summed it up. Um, yeah, I mean, I think part of this is going to be a bit of intuition, but I do think, uh, it's, I come back to just that future self, like what is your future self going to think about it? Because I do think like in the moment when you're nervous about the race, it's very easy to say my intuition is saying drop to the the lower thing, but sort of doing a little bit of that forward thinking of like, is my future self going to be pissed that I didn't try? Right. Uh, I think it's definitely worth asking. So again, race, if you're going to race is almost always the answer to the question. Uh, in these situations, um, sort of backed up by your like, what's the worst that could happen? Or what's the like worst case scenario? Um, the Rebecca Rush or Queen of Pain rule, we'll call it where no one's as prepared as they want. So like, if you're just stressing over one set of tires or something, like figure it out in the next, you know, day or whatever time you have. The last piece on this, I think is the 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 training or sorry, the, the goals, we'll call these race goals, process goals for the event. So rather than thinking about the outcome of finishing, uh, we want to a chunk the event into little pieces so they look more manageable. So we might have the first third, the second third. You know, maybe there's like certain mountain passes or aid stations that you're chunking them up. I think you did this a little bit. Like, did you do that with your hundred miler chunk the race at all? Oh yeah, I mean that was laps. So it was even easier. Okay. But... Laps are obvious. Yeah, that's great. I, I know at Leadville people talk about there's the, it's to the aid station, so to forty miles at Twin Lakes, and then you have forty to sixty as the up and down the Columbine climb. That's the thousand plus meter climb up to the highest point. Then you're back to the aid station, and then you have forty miles to get back home. Uh, and so you chunk it up one, three bike races, you know, and so people who are going for that nine hour belt buckle, it's like roughly, you know, it's not perfect, but it's like a three, three hour bike rides. Uh, and Haley Smith has talked about doing that with unbound, uh, similar with the two aid stations. So chunk it up and then you can develop plans and your fueling should build into that. And now there's the fueling goals for the day, which sounds like a weird way to set goals, but most of these big things will go a lot better if you fuel them well. So we want to practice that, but then we also should have a plan. How is that food getting into your mouth? Uh, is it all in sugar powder or do you have some bars that you actually are going to eat or is that a joke? Like, are you not, can you actually not unravel bars when you ride? Do you not actually eat bars when you're breathing heavy? These are things that training should expose. 
Um, but you want to be prepared for. If you don't have the fuel on board, you're not doing it, A. And then B, if you don't have a fueling plan, like by the time you get to the first aid station, is the food gone or not, right? And if the answer is no, then you know what your goal is for that next aid station is to get the food in your mouth. Because you get into that third segment of the race, and that's when, you know, often the money is made, so to speak. You know, you either bonk or you finish fairly strong. You know, it's not going to be easy, but that's the third the third phase. So I think setting goals then, process goals, race goals for yourself that aren't related to placing 10th or finishing in nine hours or whatever. Most of us are, are in that, like, you know, remember to smile or, uh, you know, whatever it is, right? You, you could set lots of different, you know, cadence or something like that, or, you know, relax your shoulders or different reminders, drink every whatever, and to be clear, all of these are very easy to remember when things are going well. Uh, but when you start getting into like the the pain cave during the race or the, uh, you know, hitting the wall, if you will, uh, a lot of these become a lot harder to remember. I know for me, the smile every mile is so simple when things are going super good. Um, yeah. When they're not, it turns out it's a lot harder to remember those. So like, that's why I think it is so important to kind of point these out and really drill like drill these in, think about them in training, all of that, because it's not during the easy parts where it's like, that's going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a problem during the the really hard exactly. moments. Exactly. And, and that's, you know, this is where the mantras come in. You know, what's next? You know, your mantra might be more, you know, smile every mile. It might be something to that effect. I like what's next because it takes the focus off of whatever the hell your brain is saying to you. And it says, dude, think about the technical section you're about to go into or the fact that you're supposed to be putting a cliff bar in your mouth. Uh, and deal with it, right? Like this is what you signed up for. Do it. What's next? What's next? What's next? Right? And you just keep in the moment, right? That's what we're. Uh, that's what I'm trying to you do with that mantra. You don't need my mantra. Um, and, and that's the idea. And then I think the if any of this stuff is like, oh, you know, I feel unprepared because I'm not ready for this. This is where the next block of training. This could be the fall, which is a question that we're going to get to here in a second. This could be next year. Notes to yourself. This could be anytime. But this is. If I didn't know fueling, I'm really confused. I didn't know technical stuff. I didn't know mechanical stuff. I didn't know, you know, the self-talk is getting me down and I just quit. You know, I, I started talking myself out of it. Then this is where we can spend time in training uh, after the event, after and the event, though. I like that because I think that's also the good call to like, could you also kind of shift your focus slightly and see this race as like, information. You know, it's what I say every time we're doing yoga with our clients. I always say like, you know, think about like if this side feels a little tighter than the other side or like one thing feels tight, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just information. So I think for this, this question in particular, like the, do I drop down or do I do the full distance? What if you just saw the full distance as information for next year? So it might not go perfect, but this is such a good chance to figure out what it is that you do need to work on in the next training block. And that's information that like, you can't pay for. Actually, I guess you did pay for it with your race entry, uh, but you you can't get it any other way other than being in that race. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay, cool. well, let's okay. go. I think so, these next two questions relate a little bit, so let's they get do, into yeah. them. They do, yeah. Well, before we get into overcoming uh, fueling mistake, let's talk about something you can do to really help with your nutrition, and that is drinking AG1. So AG1, formerly known as Athletic Greens, is just sort of your one-stop shop for a supplement that is NSF certified for sport, so all the good stuff, none of the bad, that just has everything in it that you need for the day. So we're talking vitamins, minerals, protein probiotics, prebiotics, of course, your greens, your adaptogens, and just all of that good stuff uh, with 
absolutely nothing else. And I will say, I was actually, um, I almost got annoyed this morning. We had ne- we needed to empty our new packet of it into our lovely little Athletic Greens holder. And it is such a fine powder, which is fabulous for mixing it into your, your water and it mixes perfectly. But because it's such a fine powder, every time you pour it in, like a little poof of smoke comes up and you're like, oh no, I've lost some of the powder. And I'm like literally like biting the air. <laughs> trying to huff it trying in. Trying to like huff it in. Yeah. So I snorted some AG1 this morning, <laughs> just putting that out there to the world. That's right. Yeah. And you know, as a, a coach, what I like about this is a, you know, a lot of time gets wasted hunting for things on the internet and trying to, you know, get 10 different supplements and then a lot of money gets wasted on it. So what I like about this is, you know, you do have to invest in this. It is a a subscription you can get month to month. Uh, but it, it also eliminates a lot of this decision-making fatigue where we're trying to hunt and hunt and hunt for more multivitamins and more of this and more of the greens powder and more, and it's all in one something you can quickly do every morning as part of that routine with your water uh, and then get started whether that's morning core out on the run whatever you're getting into as you get into your day and to be fair we have spent much more on a monthly basis on supplements than we have on ag1 because supplements add up in a hurry and i think that is how you want to look at this right if you are buying you know something like a multivitamin and then a greens powder and then a probiotic you know, what is the accumulated cost of those things? It's almost certainly going to be higher than the AG1. And AG1, bonus, subscription, delivered to your door, super convenient. Uh, And if you use our special code, you're going to get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs. And do not sleep on the travel packs. They're so good for, you know, when you're going through airports all over the place for business trips. I know so many of my friends are now back to business travel all the time. And this just makes it so much easier to much keep Much classier it. than like the Ziploc bag full of random white powder, right? Much less likely to get stopped going through security. I don't know about your airport, but our airport has changed the... Uh, amount of powder you can have on in your carry-on psa uh, so these travel packets PSA are on the tsa psa on the tsa okay. uh these travel packets are much uh they're way under that amount so they're perfect for stashing in your carry-on uh like i said to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs all you have to do is visit drinkag1.com backslash molly h that is drinkag1.com backslash molly h to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance which was something i needed this weekend so uh next question is actually from me uh it's all about overcoming fueling mistakes and planning for next time. So the TLDR on this, the quick story is I did a trail marathon this weekend. It was very hot out. Um, I, I've never been amazing at fueling, but this one I definitely underfueled uh, and bonked pretty hard, part of which was because I had actually diluted my, normally I run a tailwind in my pack, which we've talked about ad nauseum. Uh, and I'll just drink that throughout the race. Normally in a longer race, I would switch packs to a new one if I was like going through and I had, you know, someone at a crew station didn't have that this race. So when I got down to about half of my pack full, so I still had like 500 calories in it, I filled it up with water. So I diluted the crap out of my tailwind, uh, ended up not even finishing the like I couldn't drink that much. Um, So I ended up bonking pretty hard in the last couple miles. And to your point about like what's next uh, that you were just mentioning for the during the race, I was bonked enough that when I hit the last aid station, which was two and a half miles ish from the finish, I stopped and had like I had a little like plastic cup with me, uh, like one of the reusable ones. I stopped and filled it up with Coke and drank that because I was just so like 
out of it that I was like, oh, I need like fast calories, not just thinking like, no, you have two and a half miles to go. Just drink more of your tailwind and go, you moron. Mm. Um, so it was a like really dumb mistake on my part, uh, made partially because I was just in that weird bunked state of mind. Uh, so now I really need to think about, you know, I talked to my coach, we're talking about 300 calories an hour. And, you know, when you're in a five hour marathon, like when you're on the trail, that's a reasonable marathon. Um, how do you do that? Because I can't really put 1600 calories of tailwind into that pack because then it's just drinking slush out of a hydration pack. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that's, you know, you could say 300 calories or, or about 75 grams, right? That's what we're thinking of. Yeah. Give or take. Of carbohydrate times it by four and you get the calories. And so, yeah, it is, it's a bit of a math uh, ordeal, right? This is what people will do in these big races is they'll try and figure out how many hours roughly they're going to be out for. And then they'll do that math of what they want per hour. And then you got to figure out how to get it into your body and practice it. And it's a math and taste ordeal. And the math part gets kind of sketchy because for me, I drink out of a bladder. So it's impossible for me to tell during the race how much of it I've drank at any given time. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard for me to know like per hour how much I've had. It's really only at the end of the race that I can look at what's left and, you know, make the call on that. And to kind of add to that, the other issue is because my bladder is all like a sports drink, the idea of eating something else and then having to wash it down with sports drink is not super appealing. So in that case, I need to have my reusable cup and think about fueling just when I'm hitting about to hit aid stations where I can actually get regular water just so I can like manage the mm -hmm. the taste situation. Sure. Yeah. And so there's, you know, a few different, like in the cycling world, you see people now doing these heavy bottles where they just mix, like it's almost as thick as gel, right? It's like a slurry of, you know, tons and tons of calories. And then maybe they can swap that bottle out and then they run clear water in a pack. Uh, in your case, it might be just filling up with straight water and then going to gels and stuff afterwards and, you know, rather than going back to tailwind or filling up with more tailwind. Um, but it is sort of that what we were talking about, like the you have to get through the pack in the first portion of the race. If someone could invent a pack that has like a like, I don't know, you know how luggage sometimes has that thing where you can like lift it up as a scale built in. Mm -hmm. If someone could figure out a way to like show me what's in my pack, that would just be absolutely fantastic there's a bit of a mindset there i guess about trying to conserve right and i think it's that balance of like i don't know if it's the and F that's why F i filled K it up kt like hiking trip versus you know if you're in you know a world cup you're just you know biting a bit of gel and probably they miss a third of the gel half the time but they just keep oh world championships was hilarious like i don't know if you watched everyone coming in the mountain bike world championships were just on uh if you didn't watch to see if you can google the uh, feed zone because people would ride through and you'd see them take a gel and within not even 20 feet discard the gel because they just like took like a bite and then just threw it and then grabbed a bottle yeah and i think that's uh i think that's the idea where we're trying to not you know conserve it and so that might be a bit of a mindset for you where you know it, whether it's getting another pack or or knowing that it's okay to run out you know that's the goal is to get it all in you and that was, that was my mistake, right? Like I should have just like, I, I went in with like this very like panicked mindset that I was going to run out of water before the next aid station. And as a result, I overfilled my pack. So then I also finished with a really heavy pack while also diluting my nutrition that would have actually been like close to adequate if I had just let well enough alone. 
Uh, so definitely I need to get out of that conservation mindset. Um, I don't think that the straight water is a reasonable option for me, though, I will say, uh, only because it's very hard to carry a full bladder of water and adequate gels and stuff in your front pockets. Especially well, it's dependent, right? Because this one, you might fill it up, I guess, was what you did. Like you did fill it back up. Um, but then you'd have to have the, the remaining calories on hand, whether you're picking them up. Uh, and then go to just water, right? Yeah. In hindsight, what I should have done was have like, have anticipated that I was going to need more water. I should have brought another package of Tailwind, like just had it in a Ziploc baggie. And when I went to refill the water, it would have taken me an extra two seconds to dump more Tailwind in there and I would have been fine. Right. Uh, that probably would have saved me a whole lot of heartache there. And it, it's a bit dependent on the race, right? Because I think that one... That one was particularly weird because it was very hot that you weren't there to like, you like, we didn't bring you because it was a very casual race for me. Um, so I didn't have like a crew with my normal stuff. Like normally, I think in that case, we would have swapped packs. Mm-hmm. Which is just, I think that's, and then you have a new chance, you know, if that was the second half of the race, then, then it's a new set of, you know, if you have a bar and a gel as well or something, then it's okay. Like you didn't finish those last ones, get on top of it. Uh, and trying to have a bit of redundancy there, but again, trying to have that goal um, of trying to get through it when you're supposed to get through it. Which I think is something I need to gameplay more in my actual training. Like Lately, I've been very into it and I still love it, but I've been training more with water in the pack and then a flask of maple syrup with a bit of salt in it, and it's freaking delicious. Like, it's so good. The problem is I'm actually getting okay at fueling enough with that, but now I'm losing my like tailwind capabilities, not in that I can't drink it, but just that I'm like not as used to drinking the calories. So I'm not like as aware of like when I'm running low or anything like that. Mm. So I do think I need to actually get back to game playing what I'm actually going to race with, which I think everyone gets a little stressy about because it's expensive. Like tailwind's mm. not cheap and yeah. we are sadly not sponsored by them. Tailwind, please call me. Um, but, you know, it's it's a pricey endeavor to do that for every run. But I think that's probably what I need to do if I actually want to keep using a sports drink. At least for your key sessions, uh, for sure. And I, I do think the maple syrup is nice. Um, and there's probably people who will be mad about this statement. But I do think as you're pushing beyond that cliff bar an hour, that I call it the cliff bar an hour, you don't have to have a cliff bar, but that 200 calories an hour, which is about 40, 50 grams, right? 40 to 50 grams uh, of carbohydrate. Um I think it's hard to do it on date paste or maple syrup or honey. I think there's just an upper limit with that quote unquote, like healthier stuff. Uh, I'm sure there's someone who just, you know, takes in 500 calories of maple syrup an hour for hours and hours. And, and they're the maple syrup baron of wherever they're from. Uh, you know, they, they get the free quota or whatever, but I think that's hard. So that is where, you know, you, you're going to have to look at that as like, is that like for your shorter days, you use maple syrup for like a mix. And then that way, as you say, you're not, going through the tailwind uh really quickly uh it's a tough one so there you go you're gonna have to figure it out but this is again that goal setting i guess this leads into our next question of now you have to accumulate experience so this is where you can set targets for the next two weeks to two months of doing a run with can you achieve this amount of fueling which is an odd right we often talk about can I do a three hour ride or can I do a ride at a 20 minute effort at 200 Watts or whatever the, the goal is. This is a different goal. This is a, a calorie goal. It's true. And this is a calorie goal that almost no woman ever has ever had to contend with. 
Like, really? Are you being sarcastic? I'm being no. No. Oh. I'm being super serious. Like in no, like at no point oh, in like women's saying. lives have we been told like, okay, so your goal for this is to definitely eat more than you've ever eaten before. Like you have to go consume two times the number of calories that you did on that last run. Like, but that's the, like, and you know, we talked on the fueling episode a few episodes ago, the like finding the fine line between bonking and vomiting. Mm-hmm. I need to, like, I think I actually need to like lean into like, where is the vomit line? That's right. Because I've, I know where the bonk line is. I'm super familiar with the bonk line. We are close friends. I have never once gotten into the, okay, once I did, but it was during a hundred miler, which doesn't count as like the vomit line, I'm going to say. Because that's just like your body is just rebelling in every way, shape, and form that it can. I need to find the vomit line on like a 15 miler. Mm. So there we go. That's my new goal. New uncharted territory for me. Okay. Last question today. We'll last try question. And, yeah. We'll touch on it. If, people, if, if this is interesting, you can, you can ask a follow up, I guess, and we can go deeper into your situation. Uh, this question is sort of around, you know, maybe you're getting into August, September. There's usually this time where you've either finished your A race. Uh, you know, your main peak for the season, your big adventure you did, your big bucket list race. So we just finished Leadville. A while ago, we did Nationals and the QSE stage race. Breck Epic is this week. So those folks are all going to be done at the end of this week. Uh, Leadville Run is next week. So we're about 365 out for Molly and her big goal uh, away from that for oh next hang year. Hang on. I have it on my countdown calendar on my phone. We are 367 days and 22 hours. Okay, uh, And so... Now it's this triathlon burnout. Uh, you know, what do you do now? Some people will have another goal, you know, in stock. They're going to race again towards the end of the year or next year. You know, there's something else. But a, a lot of times, especially when it's a bucket list race, uh, you might not have something. And then you get this big letdown where what's the point of training? You're tired. You're sort of supposed to take a week off. And then maybe you get a little off track. And so the question is, what do you do now? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Um the first, well, so we have a couple thoughts here, obviously. Uh, the first thing I think is that like after your goal race, I think it's so it's so okay to take a mini off season or a recovery week or whatever you want to call it. But like, I think too often we sort of assume because people are still riding bikes outside and running outside and maybe other people are still training for something, we have to kind of keep, just go back to our normal training load. Uh, so I do think like having that mini off season and this could be like a hike, you know, a hiking trip or could just be a week where you just maybe walk the dog a few extra times and like just relax. Well, and get back to being a normal person, right? Yeah. And, and again, we were just talking to Kelly and Juliet Starrett uh, and they have their new book built to move. And that is one of the things we spoke about was this, you know, sometimes you do have to go and peak especially if you're racing at like a world championship level. But I think even for us on the bucket list, at some point you're at Leadville and you're only mostly biking. You're trying to conserve energy, you know, into that race week or the race week or two beyond it. But then we have to get back. So you are, you're walking the dog. You're maybe sitting on the floor as I am doing right now. Uh, only because we just had the stirrets on Uh, (laughs) Uh, but you know stretching going to physio getting your nutrition so stop drinking tailwind like it's you know going out of style and and get back to good nutrition for a week or two Uh, let your body recover let your brain recover from this huge insult this huge effort that you've put into it 
Yeah, and make sure that your family doesn't hate you too. Uh, this is a good chance to, uh, you know, pay pay them back, pay your spouse back for, you know, watching the kids while you got out on your long runs or letting you go on this, uh, you know, adventure trip or saying, crewing for what you. What is it saying? Something like, you know, balance isn't on the day. It's more on like the weeks to months, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even years, right, where we see this balance come in. At some point, you have to hustle on certain things. You know, if you're a teacher, there's busy times. Accountants have busy times. But there should be balance there. And that's what we're looking for. And, and we call that seasonality, where th- there's the mountain bike season. Maybe there's the cyclocross season. Maybe there's a track season. But generally, you're going to have some off period between there and then some training period. That's A lot of times, that's what we see missing is this, you, you take a week or two off. How long did you take after your big 100 miler? Uh, I think I was off of everything for at least a week. I think it might have been closer to two. You might have started doing like some short like runs that even, I think it was like very casual. Know, my build. style of running like under 5k. No, I like I'm dead serious when I say that despite the fact that that 100 miler was in February, that February was my lowest volume month out of hmm. any month in the past three years. Which is probably good. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that was well executed. <laughs> no, I think it's like what people don't realize. And then you probably found that towards the end of that week or two weeks, let's it doesn't matter what it is but that you started itching to get going and i think that's what you're looking for is this like oh yeah no i i want to you know go for a ride i you know if you haven't been riding or running and then you today actually you know i'm still down you know just motivation and stuff still down a little bit from our qse nationals trip i don't have a obvious goal but i would say this last day or two i've just started feeling snappy again where it's not a lot of effort to get the pedals turning over. And so that looked like a bunch of easy rides to just get back into the swing. Because you've been off for a while and you've probably been racing and really going at it, uh, sometimes you do have to go back to sort of the fundamentals again of that easier training, no big measures, no big tests, no big intervals. And then and then the form starts coming back, right? We start edging in. The same way you would edge into your, your spring training or your winter training, you start with that base, with that easier training. Mm-hmm. So yes, definitely okay to take that that mini off season, let yourself detrain a little bit and then get back to it. Um, and then, you know, kind of like we said before, uh, there's also, we highly recommend checking out Built to Move by the Sturettes because it does have sort of 10 fun like test type things and then followed by the homework that allows you to get to those uh, those vital signs of good health. So, I mean, this might even be a good chance for you to kind of check in on the overall health, not just where your fitness is at. That's right. And I think, you know, the only other piece, again, ask some follow-ups for this. We'd love to go deeper on this in a different direction. But, you know, seasonality does imply that, you know, you can start cross-training again. So maybe you're easing back into some run walks, not running because we don't want you to get injured right off the bat. Uh, You know, preparing for ski season is a popular one with clients. Maybe you're getting ready for like a rec, soccer, co-ed, frisbee, whatever league. Uh, Easing back into strength training is very popular right now with a lot of clients. Again, easing being the, you know, take August if that's where we are. Take September if that's where you are and ease back into it. Um, and then for those getting ready for cyclocross, you know, I think those answers are probably there as far as easing back into to cyclocross and starting to get ready. But I would definitely give yourself after the rest week, give yourself a little bit of low intensity, low focus for even a full week or two uh, just to get back riding and enjoy riding, right? Less less objective measures, less like I should be doing this or too easy, too hard. Just go and pedal your bike for a duration. Um and then you'll find that then you're, you, you start itching to get back to training. 
Love it. Perfect. And definitely hit us up if you have any follow-ups. Uh, you can find us over at consummateathlete.com. You can find us wherever podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please do us a favor, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, we love doing this. We'd love to hear more about what you want to hear more from us. Uh, all right. With that, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.